Today we have a great message. You know, we're looking at what does it mean to make those decisions. Today we're going to dive into that and see exactly what the next direction is. What is the next turn? What is the next street that you need to find yourself walking down? And so, man, as we look at this this morning, there's several things that I want us to think about. And I want us to think about the, the, the tragedy of, of, of Robin Williams. Robin Williams this week swept the news. It's still sweeping the news. How could one of the funniest people in the world die of sadness? Now think about that. One of the funniest people in the world die of sadness. And one of the things about it is that everybody's looking for direction. Everybody's trying to find their way through the forest. And the question is, who are you in love with? For Robin Williams, people began to be in love with people that he played. People that he, he acted out the, the part of. They were in love with Mark from, from, from the outer space in the beginning. And then they were in love with Mrs. Doubtfire. It, it's kind of like, I remember hearing the testimony of a famous uh, school mascot who was a tiger. And upon giving up the mascot, he was so depressed with what he had done. Because he said, you know what, I realize that I have a lot of tiger stories, but I don't have any Sam stories. Because his whole life he was trying to be someone, he was, he was living out through somebody else. We see this with all the star frenzy, the star power in Hollywood. And people aren't really following the person their self, themselves, but they're following the person that they're acting out on the screen. And that person doesn't even exist so many times. The thing that I want you to understand is you're seeking the direction for your life. Understand that success does not bring happiness. Popularity does not bring fulfillment. Money does not bring contentment. Because every day. People who have more money than they can count, more friends than they can name, more power than they know how to wield, are dying the same way that the broken, that the addicted, and that the destitute are dying on a regular basis. So what is our direction? What is it that God's speaking to your heart? What is it that he's speaking to my life? I feel like many times we're standing at the fork in the road and we're saying, which way do I go? And today we make decisions on so many different fronts. We make decisions because we read our horoscope. We make decisions because we read a fortune cookie. We make decisions because we went to a fortune teller. We make decisions because we Googled it and we figured out what is the best way to make decisions. Amen? And we're looking for a direction. So we Google everything to find a direction. Some of you, some of you bing it on Google. Amen. And uh, man, you got to be careful who you're following. This week we were, this week we were in Memphis. My wife's father was having a procedure done. And uh, I was going to pick up the air conditioner. And I needed some straps. So I said, well, I'm, I'm going to go to Sam's. So man, I got on my smartphone and I put it in. And it gave me the address. And I was so proud of myself, I went straight to the location. I mean, in the middle of Memphis, unfamiliar with that city, 
I went straight to it. And I started looking around, and I was at the location, but there was no Sam's. I was there, but Sam's was not. So I pulled out my smartphone, and I looked at it, and I said, well, that, that's right. I'm at the right place. So then I went back from the map to where I found it on the Internet. And I called the number that was listed beneath Sam's. And it was some company that did, didn't have nothing to do with Sam's. And I said, oh my gosh, this frazzling Bing. Somehow Bing had took over my search engine. And I was binging everything and I was showing up in all the wrong places. So I went back and I found Google and there Google came to my rescue. Found Sam's, took me straight there. The thing about it is you may put something in and it may take you to a place that you're not wanting to go. And all the signs may say you're in the right direction. Now stay with me for just one moment. Because every day people have our ear. They have our attention. There's pages that you have liked on your social media. There's groups that you have signed on to on your social media that is pouring into you on a daily basis and it's going to take you somewhere. And the place that it may take you, it may say you're at the right place. But I am telling you that sometimes we end up at a dead-end street and I literally ended up at a dead-end road. And turned around. I didn't know there was any dead end roads in the middle of Memphis. But I ended up at a dead end road in the middle of nowhere. And today, so many of you, so many of you listening at home or watching this morning online, you're looking for that. You're looking for some way, some pathway, some sign, somebody to say, this is the way, walk in it, and it leaves you high and dry. Now, I'm not going to tell you that... Church is always the answer. Amen. Because church will get you high and leave you low. Church will kick you out before you get going. I mean, listen, as many great stories as there is about church, there's that many that we could find that was negative towards church. Church is not your answer. Social media is not your answer. Jesus is your answer. He is the answer. His word is the answer. It is the lamp unto our feet. The light unto my path. I love that phrase. The lamp in my feet. The light to my pathway. Today, that's what you need more than anything. So, let me share a passage of scripture with you. Because you may be on top of your game. You may be one of the most successful people in the world. And still be struggling with discouragement. You may still be struggling with defeat. I'm going to show you one of the greatest men that ever lived who was struggling with defeat, was struggling with depression, but most of all, he was struggling for direction. Now, if you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Matthew. It's an interesting passage of Scripture. In the book of Matthew, chapter 11, chapter 11 and verse 1, last week, we looked at where Jesus had called his first disciples. By the end of last week's sermon, he had four disciples. Now, in chapter 11, verse 1, it says, And when he had finished giving orders to his 12 disciples. Uh oh, he's done increased a little bit. He's at full capacity now. When he had finished speaking to his 12 disciples, he moved on from there to teach and preach in towns. Now, when John 
heard in prison, this is John the Baptist, he heard in prison that the, what the Messiah was doing. He sent a messenger with a message by his disciple. Now stay with me. I want you to get your pen out and mark this. And here was the message. Are you the one who is to come? Or should we look for another? Should we expect another? Now let's stop right there. John the Baptist. I mean, we can flip over just a couple of other chapters. And we can see that John the Baptist was the one who baptized Jesus. Now, now I would say that's a sign of a pretty successful ministry, amen? When you're the one who baptized the Lamb of God. I mean, if you're wanting a, a success and attaboy, that, 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 that's, a pretty big, that's a pretty big baptism, <clears throat> amen? Now, the one who was preaching repentance, the one who was the forerunner, the one who said, I'm not even worthy to buckle his sandals, was now saying, are you the one, or do we look for another? Now, we made a decision last week, you're going to follow a dream, a dynasty, or a destiny. And no matter which one of those you decided to follow, you've got to make more decisions. Because you see, you find yourself in a, in a Y in the road. And you're like, do I go right, do I go left? Or do I turn around and I just go back because it was easier there? You see, the first road that you've got to make a decision that you're going to go on is are you going to travel down Feelings Avenue? Feelings Avenue. Now stay with me. When you are operating in your feelings, the facts are irrelevant. I was dealing with someone last night late. It was like, it was telling me, well, this is, this is what one person was saying. And, then, and the other person said, well, that's not, that's not the truth. That's not what happened. And I looked at that person and I said, well, it really doesn't matter what happened. That's how they feel. And so if you're going to go down Feelings Avenue, you're headed for trouble. It's when we want to follow our heart. Hey, have you ever heard this statement or made it? Just follow your heart. You've heard that? Just follow your heart. Have you ever made this statement? Well, if it just, if it feels right, let, let's just do it. What about this? Man, just trust your gut. I mean, one of the most famous actors right now, what, 10 years running? The famous Gibbs has this famous gut feeling. Follow your gut. Follow your gut instinct. Your gut will never lead you astray. Really. Tell your gut that next time you're hugging a toilet throwing up, amen. I'll say lead you astray. We want to follow that. Follow our feelings. But the Bible says in Jeremiah 17 and 9, the heart is desperately wicked. And no man can know it. It's deceitful. It's incurable. And who can understand it? So if the heart is un, under, uncomprehendable and we're unable to understand it, then why in the world would we want to follow it? 
I know of many of people that have left their children, have left their jobs, have left their spouse because they were following their heart. Looking for a feeling. Now John the Baptist was one of the greatest heroes of the faith. Matter of fact, in a few moments we're going to see that Jesus said of man born a woman there is none greater than John the Baptist. Yet John the Baptist found himself locked in prison sending a message not to his disciples but to Jesus. To Jesus. The one who John said, I'm the bride, he's the bridegroom, I'm the friend of the bridegroom. John the Baptist sent Jesus a message and said, are you the one? Or do we look for another? Now John the Baptist was known for some crazy preaching. I mean, I love to read his sermon over there in, in the Gospels when he, he gathered them together and he said, you bunch of brood of vipers, what in the world have you come out here looking for? And he, I mean, he just lets them have it. I mean, John the Baptist didn't pull any punches, that's why he was in prison. Because he looked at, at Herod and that whole mess and, and, uh, and said, boy, you, you're sinning. Sexual immorality is not right. And he found himself in prison. Now he makes the boldest declaration of all. He sends a memo to the Son of God and says, are you the one or do we look for another? Now why in the world would John the Baptist say that? Think about this for a moment. He understood the facts. John the Baptist saw the dove descend from heaven and sit upon or above Jesus. He was there at the baptism, not when this dove came down, but when the voice gave a shout out from the third heaven and said, that's my boy in whom I'm well pleased. Now John the Baptist understood facts. But if you're not careful, your feelings will trump your facts. And the facts will not matter anymore because you just feel something. Matter of fact, boy, I had done a big sermon presentation this morning. I had all kind of pictures to show you about this, this emotional decision making. And uh, somehow I locked myself out of the, my email account. I mean, give me a smartphone, I'm dangerous, amen. So, you know, just have to take my word for it this morning. But you can just plug in the simplest search engine, and there's all kind of websites to show you how do I make emotional decisions. A gut. We, we like to call them gut feelings. How do I make a, a gut move? How do I know? How do I know if it feels right? Listen. Now stay with me. The world, your, your emotions are the shallowest part of your being. Your feelings are the shallowest part of your being. Now, now think about this. I mean, you could be laughing, having a good time, carrying on and joking. You could be sending out messages on your smartphone or your smart device in the social media world joking and putting smiley faces, and then all of a sudden, on your news feeder, it pops up and says, Robin Williams is dead, and then everybody starts mourning. 
Everybody starts, it's all topsy-turvy. It's all upside down. We could be carrying on laughing this morning. Somebody could walk in here and say, this happened, that happened. All of a sudden, we're upside down. We're crying. We're broken. God is not going to do the deepest part of the work in your life in the shallowest part of your being, which is your emotions. So don't let emotions be your guide. Don't let you make emotional decisions. Make decisions based on something greater than the shallowest part of your being. Listen, your feelings will lead you astray. The greatest preacher of modern time in the day of Jesus, before Jesus showed up preaching the Sermon on the Mountain, was John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was sitting in prison saying, Oh my goodness, I'm a failure. I, man, I, I baptized the wrong person. That's basically what he was saying. I baptized the wrong person. Woo! Woo! I must have missed God. I baptized. Man, I gave that whole unbuckling sandals speech to the wrong person at the wrong time. Guys, guys, could, could you take this note to Jesus? W would you go ask him if he's the one or do I need to look for another? Young people, a lot of you made decisions this summer to serve Jesus Christ. To follow him. And just as soon as you get to following him, the devil's going to come up there and try to get you and make people, have people make fun of you, criticize you, hurt your feelings for being a follower of Christ. And you're going to have to decide, am I going to operate on my feelings or am I going to operate on fact or am I going to operate on faith? I bet it didn't feel good when Abraham trekked up that mountain with Isaac to lay him down. I bet it didn't feel good when Moses had to go find Pharaoh. I bet it didn't feel good when Joseph found his way in the pit. I bet it didn't feel good when he went through the prison. I bet it didn't feel good when he went down that pathway. I bet it didn't feel good when they jerked the hair out of the face of Jesus because he was taking our sins upon his back. I bet it didn't feel good when they placed the nails in his hands. I bet it didn't feel good when they lacerated him with the cat of nine tails. But I tell you what did feel good was that great getting up morning when he came up victorious. He wasn't operating on his feelings. He was operating in faith and because he was operating in faith his faith triumphed his feelings. Matter of fact, Jesus confessed his feelings in the Garden of Gethsemane and he said, Lord, would you just take this away from me? Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Lord, I know that's my feelings. Lord, I know that I was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. But God the Father, I am looking the cross right in the eye and Lord, it just don't feel good right now. But he arrested his feelings and began to move forward. So are you going to camp out on Feelings Avenue? Or will you move forward in your life and camp out on Fact Boulevard? Go a little bit further. I'm not making this stuff up. So Jesus gets the message. Here's what he says. Look with me if you would in verse 4. Jesus replied to John the Baptist. Whew. Well, you know, if you never got a message from God like this, you probably hadn't been talking to him. Because we've all said something stupid like John the Baptist at some time or another. Look at this. Jesus said, you go and report to John. <laughs> Stay with me. What you hear with your ears, what you see with your eyes. The blind see, the lame walk, those with skin disease are healed. 
Go tell him that you hear and see the deaf hearing. Tell him that you've seen the dead that are raised. And the poor are told the good news. And if anyone is not offended because of me, he is blessed. And these men went away to go tell John. So what Jesus did was, he basically said, now you go back and you tell John the Baptist that he's operating in his feelings. He's operating in his emotions. But now you go tell him that the blind see, the deaf hear, the skin disease are healed, the lame are walking, and the dead are raised, and the gospel is being preached. The good news is being heralded all over the place. Go tell him that. Go tell him that the facts on the ground trump the feelings in the jail cell. That's where you say amen, preacher. That's good stuff. Because it's true. The facts on the ground trump our feelings. The facts are God is victorious. The facts are you're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from it. The facts are he who begun a good work in you will complete it. The feelings are life sucks. The feelings are life's overwhelming. The feelings are life, you can't get through it. You can't make it another day. The feelings are you might as well not live. The feelings are a spirit of depression, the demonic spirit of depression that's running rampant down the highways and the byways and the big buildings and the little buildings and, and the homes and with the homeless. A spirit of oppression is running rampant in America because people have surrendered. They've thrown their hands in the air and said, I just want to feel something. And we're feeling a whole lot. When the facts are, God's at work in your life. Jesus didn't try to give him a pep talk. He didn't try to rally around him and say, Now, now, John, now you think about two good things that's happened since you've been here in prison. And you focus on those two things. And, and, then, and then tomorrow, let's find another one. No, that's not what he said. He said, you go back and you tell John the Baptist the facts. I don't have to go back and tell him I am the one. Tell him to look at my track record. Now you go ask John, does he want to camp out in, at, 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 the, at the avenue of feelings or does he want to move on to the, to the fact of the boulevard? Now what's the difference between a boulevard and an avenue? A boulevard is interesting because there's something that runs down the middle of it, doesn't it? It's where things begin to separate. It begins to separate. That's where you begin to take the facts and separate from the feelings. You let them go the other way and say, you know what? I'm going to trust God. I'm going to faith God through this no matter what because I'm not operating on what I know. I'm operating on who he is. Now that's a good place to be, but sometimes the facts aren't enough. You've just got to move to faith. Sometimes you can look at the facts, and if all you ever look at is the facts, you will never see the supernatural. I mean, really? you got to move to faith drive. I mean, it's where you put your faith in gear, and you put the pedal to the metal, and you run 
fast as you can recklessly into the arms of Jesus and say, you know what, God, sink, swim, live, or die. I don't care what the report says on paper. I don't care what the facts are. I don't care, although the facts may be good, I don't care that the doctor says I don't have but just six weeks to live. I have faith that he who begun a good work in me will complete it until he finishes it. I don't care what the facts say about my bank account. I know what God said. I don't care what God's up to. You have to move to a point in your life where the, the, the faith trumps the facts. I mean, think about the facts. God looked at Abraham and he said, Isaac is going to be the descendant that you're going to have so many descendants. It will be like the stars of the sky, uncountable, or like the sands of the seashore, unnumerable. It, it, the facts were, God said, it was by Abraham. The facts were Abraham was on his way to lay him down. So I'm going to tell you something that even though Abraham knew that Isaac was about to die, he was already resurrected because Abraham wasn't trusting just his feelings. He was trusting his, the fact that God's word said that Isaac was the one. So by faith he had to lay him down so that by the fact of God's word he might get him up. Amen. Sometimes faith seems to contradict the word of God because you're thinking, God, you said that was, you know, Abraham could have wrestled that thing. And they said, Lord, there's no way I can kill him. There's no way I can lay him down because he's the promised seed. He's the one that you're going to multiply my lineage through. Lord, I, I can't do that, God. Do, do you not remember that, Lord? No. Or you just move into the fact that if God said it, then he's already as good as resurrected. Let me give you my scripture for that, and I'm three. When the disciples left in verse 7, he looked at the crowd and he said, What did you go out to the wilderness to see? A reed swaying in the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothes? Look, those who wear soft clothes are for kings and palaces. But you, you went out there to see a prophet. I tell you, more than a prophet. This is the one that it was written about. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare the way before you. I assure you, among those born of woman, there is none greater than John the Baptist that has appeared. But, I love a conjunction in the word of God. But, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. For the days of John the Baptist unto now, the kingdom of heaven has been suffering violence. And he talks about all that they have been through. And then he moves forward into verse 16. He says, to what should I compare this generation? It's like children sitting in the marketplace who call out to each other. We played the flute, but you didn't dance. And we sang a lament, but you didn't mourn. For John did not come eating or drinking, and they said he had a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and you called him a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of sinners, a tax collectors. Yet wisdom is vindicated by their deeds. Then he proceeded to denounce all those people. Now skip with me a little bit further if you would. Verse 25. And at that time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, the Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise, but you've revealed them to the infants. Now look at this if you would, verse 28. And Jesus said, Now you come unto me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You take my yoke upon you and learn from it. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Hey, Pastor Brad here. Uh, man, thank you for engaging and plugging in to our television ministry and what God is doing. 
We want to encourage you to, man, set your DVR, or better yet, come on campus starting September the 7th, a new sermon series kicking off, Death to Selfie, Die to Selfie. You say, oh my goodness, Pastor, what in the world is all that about? Well, you know, today there's a lot of hype about selfies and where you take them and what the background is and all those things, and we want to dive deeper and see exactly what the Bible says about all this selfie talk and what God has in store for you. So if you ever made this statement before, this is going to be the death of me, or that person is going to be the death of me, then we want you to come September the 7th as we unpackage this new sermon series, Death to Selfie. Hope it'll bless your heart. Look forward to seeing you.